Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We are on part three of this series that we are calling this. You ready? How to get results in prayer. Come on, isn't that an exciting title? You know, I, I don't know of any believer, any Christian that wouldn't, wouldn't want to see results in their prayer life and their devotion life unto God. And here's some good news, that we actually find principles in Scripture that we can take and apply in our lives to take our prayer life to the next level. And, and what we've been doing specifically in this mini-series that we're having in the month of August is we've been taking a look at the tabernacle, or you could say the temple that we find in Scripture, and looking at the pattern of worship that they would go through the process and, and correlating that to our prayer and devotion life. Because who in here knows that now under the new covenant, we are now the temples of the Holy Spirit. That greater is he that lives in us, oh come on somebody, than he that lives in the world. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So, so we've been talking about how we can pray and how we could approach, uh, appropriately approach the King. And last Sunday, who enjoyed the message this past Sunday from Pastor Bobby? I'm telling you what, it was so good. He talked about the gates of Thanksgiving. And then Wednesday, Pastor Alex preached on the courts of praise. If you missed any of those messages, highly encourage you. Go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to us on there, listen to them. But we talked about uh, the importance of praise and thanksgiving as we approach the presence of God. Because for the temple, the gates and the courts were literal places that people had to pass through to enter into the presence of God. But today, we're going to take a step into the first room within the temple. If you can just follow along with me. And we're going to be talking about this, the holy place. Can somebody say the holy place? And Pastor Bobby has assigned me, and he's asked me to, to preach and teach. I'm going to do my best to do so as we talk about the furniture uh, within the holy place as well. So if you don't mind, can you stand in honor of reading of God's word? And if you have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 25, verse 2 through 9. And feel free to take some notes. Whenever I was a youth pastor for over six years, I, I, I told the youth all the time, hey, note takers are history makers, you know. And I used to say a, a short pencil is better than a long line, so feel free just to follow along in that way. It says this, and this is actually to give you some context. This is God talking to Moses as he's giving him the plan and the blueprints on how to construct the tabernacle. See, at first, the, the tabernacle, which would host and have the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, uh, it, it was more like a tent at first, but it still had many valuable items in there. And then eventually, if you study scripture, Solomon built the temple, and then you find Herod's temple in Jesus' day, but it's the same system. And it says this, as God is instituting it, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 2 through 9. It says, tell the people of Israel to bring me, and this is God talking, bring me their sacred offerings, Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. In other words, like the scripture says, don't give grudgingly or under compulsion, right? But freely we have received, freely we shall give. And, and they gave, and, and here's a list of the sacred offerings you may accept from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth, tanned ramskins, and fine goatskin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the priest chest piece, speaking of the high priest, having the people of Israel, have the people of Israel build me a what? Holy, 
sanctuary. Can somebody say holy one more time? Holy sanctuary. So I can live among them. You must build the tabernacle and its furnishings, or we could say furniture, exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So right here in the scripture, we find God talking to Moses, giving him instruction on how the people of Israel can come together and build a house for God to dwell in the midst of his people. Today I want to talk about this, hosting the presence of God. How we can host even the Holy Spirit in our lives, because I believe this also impacts and affects our prayer life as well. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing that's in this place, God. And like Pastor Bobby said, I just pray, God, that people would grab a hold and understand that you have more in store for them. You are a good God. You are a loving God. This is all about you. Have your way in this place. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' mighty name. And somebody said amen, amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus one more time. On your way back to your seat, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing in honor of reading of God's word. Before my wife and I got married, we always talked about how we, we dreamed of having people over to our home once we got married and had a place of our own. We said that we would just wanted to, to create a home, to, to create a space for people to feel comfortable, for them to feel welcome and invited to share a meal, get to know them. We just wanted to host and have people over. So, so that was one of our desires and dreams, and uh, the only problem was whenever I moved into the apartment, I was getting ready for, for, for her to move in. Eventually, once we got married, I, I was getting the place ready. Uh, I ain't going to lie, y'all. There was no furniture within the apartment at all. The only piece of furniture I had was my mattress on the floor. I'm just being honest, right? And who knows? It's hard to host if you don't have the proper furniture, Right? It's like, hey, welcome to the home. Yeah, you can take a seat anywhere on the floor that you like. You know, take, take your spot, you know. And I will never forget the first piece of furniture that we purchased. I, we had purchased a $15 couch, y'all, from a resale store. It was this brown recliner. I speak like it was a long time ago. It was like a little over a year ago or so. But, but it was a brown recliner, and it had stains and scuffs all over it. And the first thing I did was say, Lord, bless you, Lord. Whoever had it, but I don't, I don't know, but just I prayed over it, right? Brought it into the house, and, and, and then we just cleaned it, got an extractor to it, and we, we made the best with what we had. And I guess one of my relatives from out of town saw a picture of me and my family as we got things moved in. And, you know, we were, I was sitting on the couch, and I guess one of the relatives felt bad for us or something uh, because they called me up and they said, no nephew of mine is going to have a couch like that. And they said, I want, I want to be a blessing. I want to gift you in Brooklyn with a couch. So uh, I want you to go to this furniture store, um, you know, in Victoria. I have an account there. And I want you to pick out a couch. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, you know. So I won't forget, we walked we walked into this furniture store, and whenever we first walked in, we saw this sectional couch that was there. I was like, my goodness, that's like a, a couch that we could only dream of having. And we're looking at all the, all the furniture. And, and so I FaceTimed her, and I showed her the different options. I showed her the cheapest ones first, and eventually, you know, went on. She said, is that all the couches you, you know, you like? And I showed her the one that we saw when we walked in, not thinking that we would actually get it right. And she said, oh, that's nice. She said, you want that one? I want to bless you with that couch. And she blessed us, y'all, with that sectional couch, you know, and so thankful for that. And, and it's funny because a couple months later, because for those that don't know, my younger sister Allison also got married within the same year as well. 
and I guess they didn't have much furniture at all either at first, and that same relative reached out to them and said, hey, go pick out a couch. And I guess they liked our couch because they got the same exact couch that they were blessed with, and funny enough, a couple months later, the same thing happens where my older sister uh, and, and brother-in-law, they decided, hey, it's time to get a couch, and they got the same couch as well, so I got, we got, you know, I have four, three siblings, my younger brother, he's still at my parents' house, so I don't got room for a couch, but like, in his room, but, but my, but it's funny, because if you go to any of my siblings' houses, yes, we all have the same couch, but just know, me and Brooklyn, we were the first ones, all right, we were the first ones with the couch, and I'm just kidding. Hey, I love that we all have the same couch. You know why? Because I feel right at home whenever I go to their house. I just kick back on, this is, this, hey, we were the first ones, you know, just kidding. But I, I, I say and share that funny story with you guys just because I, I want us to, to understand, you know, as we talk about these three other pieces of furniture today, we're, we're not talking about any ordinary furniture, nor are we talking about hosting any ordinary individual or, or, or visitor or resident. We're talking about furniture that was considered so sacred and so holy that was used to host a holy and eternal and everlasting, a living, the one true God, Yahweh. This furniture was used to host God and to host the presence of God. See, because you need to understand this place, which was also nicknamed the house of God. This, is what, this was a place where humanity would connect with divinity. And I think we need to understand this just for a second. We need to understand how blessed we are that we get to experience God the way that we all get to experience God today. Because it, it wasn't always like this than what we get to experience today. Because in the Old Testament, even the people of Israel, the closest that they could get to the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, the tangible presence of God, was just to the courts. And it was only the priest, y'all, who could go further in the tabernacle or go further into the temple and enter into the holy place. And if you want to go beyond that, only the great high priest could go into the most holy place once a year. And what they would do in this place is that they would perform tasks and responsibilities where they would, and we're going to get into it more here in a second, but what they would do is they would light the lampstand that was in there, and they would prepare the bread at the table of shoe bread, and they would also as well go and burn the incense at the altar of incense. There were three pieces of sacred furniture found within there. This represented communion and fellowship with God. In fact, we have a picture of it to show you guys real quick. This is, this is what it may have looked like for the priests as they entered into the holy place, and there was this holy furniture that was there, and you can see as you would walk in right there to the left, that would be where the lampstand or the menorah would be. Then to the right, there was a, a golden table that had the, the loaves of bread on it, and then right there in the back, standing right there before the Holy of Holies and the veil that was there, that was the altar of incense. And, and that stood right there at the veil that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies. And get this, and I mentioned it a second ago, but only once a year could the great high priest enter in behind the veil on behalf of the entire nation of Israel on the Day of Atonement. You don't want to miss this Wednesday, by the way. Pastor Josh is going to be preaching and breaking this down even more. But here's what these two rooms in the inside of this place had in common. You ready? It was overlaid in gold. 
there was so many valuables, the, the walls and, and the furniture. In fact, that lampstand right there was comprised of over 75 pounds of gold alone. It took a lot of resources to, to knit and, and put this place together. In fact, even on the outside of the tabernacle, the, the, the brazen altar and the laver, those were made out of bronze. And I was thinking to myself, how were these people able to come together and, and make a structure that, that had so much value in it like this? Because think about this for a second. We read it in the opening scripture, right? God said, hey, bring the bronze, bring the silver, bring, bring the gold. These people, take in mind, they were just slaves in Egypt. They were just slaves in Egypt. How were slaves able to get gold and silver and all these precious materials and bring them together? Well, it's because the scripture says that the nation of Israel had favor with the Egyptians and that they had actually plundered the Egyptians during their exodus, and there was a huge transfer of wealth that had taken place. Oh, come on, isn't it just like God to take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for good? And guess what? They had so many resources, y'all, that as they were bringing the offering to build the tabernacle, that Moses had to tell them to stop because they were bringing more than enough. Oh, I love the scripture where it goes like this, that, that, that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. Oh, come on, somebody. That's a good place to say amen right there. The wealth, it was transferred. There was a transfer that took place. In fact, I want you to grab a hold of this. Scholars actually estimate that the value of the items in the structure within here uh, would have been closer or if not even more than $100 million in today's money. With the most expensive items being closer and closer to the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. And only the priests could go in there. And they had to go through a process. And I believe that there's a lesson in that, y'all. And I think the lesson is this, that the deeper and the closer that we desire to get to God, the more willing we must be, the more willing we must be to sacrifice. That the deeper the intimacy we desire to have with the Holy Spirit, the more we must be willing to sacrifice. Let me tell you something. It's going to cost us at times, right? Jesus said, anybody who desires to follow after me must pick up their cross, deny themselves. It's going to cost us our will. It's going to cost us our wants. It's going to cost us our ways at times. But who knows that the presence of God is more precious than anything that this world can offer. See, to be a priest, to be a priest, especially, y'all, in the Old Testament, it was to live a life of sacrifice. It was to live a life of dedication. It was to live a life of consecration. It was to live a life of holiness. And the Bible actually says this in Exodus chapter 29, verse 43 through 45. It says, I will meet the people of Israel there in the place made what? Holy by my glorious presence. So made, made holy by my glorious presence. Yes, I will consecrate. Can somebody say consecrate? the tabernacle and the altar, and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. Remember, we're talking about the holy place, and I want you to understand this, that the only reason that the holy place was considered holy was because the presence of God was there. If you need to know one thing about your God, you need to know this, that you serve a holy God. 
In fact, you want to know the most common compliment given to God throughout all of Scripture? He's holy. That's the number one compliment given to God, the most consistent one, that God is holy. In fact, the Scripture says that right now around the throne of God that there are angels and cherubim singing, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. That means that he is higher. That means that he is greater. That means that there is nothing or nobody that can compare and compete to who, we are, who he is. He is God, and above him there is no other. He is, he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is a holy God. Can somebody say holy? He is a holy God. He is a holy God. But not only that, y'all, he, he said this. He said, I have consecrated this holy place, but I am also going to be consecrating the priest that would be allowed to enter in it. One more time, say consecration. I want to give you this definition for consecration. Feel free to write this down or take a picture. Consecration, the act of dedicating something to God, sanctifying it, and making it holy. In other words, simply put, consecration and holiness means this, to be set apart. And get this, the priest would actually have to go through a process of consecration where they, have, they would have to wear specific white garments and robes, and, and they would have to go through a ceremonial cleansing, and they would also have blood of a sac- the blood of a sacrificial animal sprinkled upon them as well. Come on, thank God we don't have to go through that anymore, right? Can you imagine coming to church and blood, you know, we don't have to go through that even as we approach God. Why, why, why is that? Because now under the new and better covenant that we have under, because of what Jesus Christ has done, the scripture says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law. The scripture says that Jesus came to fulfill it, that everything that was needed for the sacrifices and the ceremonies and, and the cleansing, guess what? Jesus took care of it, and now we're covered by the blood of Jesus by faith, and now we can boldly approach the throne of of grace and receive mercy from God. We can walk in it, but here's what blows my mind. You ready? Now, we, under the new covenant, we are considered the temples of the Holy Spirit. The scripture even calls us this because it's dual nature. Not only are we the temples of the Holy Spirit, but now the scripture says that we are a royal priesthood as well. But don't get too excited for a second because I want to give you a newsflash, all right? Because we talked about how the priests were called to be consecrated unto God. They were, they were called to be set apart unto God. Let me remind you and tell you today that even under the new covenant for priests, holiness is still a requirement. I'm going to say that one more time. Holiness is still a requirement. In other words... I can't live my life the way that I just want to live my life. Oh, because first of all, you want to go back, my life isn't even my own. I am consecrated. I am set apart. We are the called out ones. We are a royal priesthood. Somebody say, I am a royal priesthood. 
I am a royal priesthood, that there is a way that God has prescribed to us as priests to be set apart. Even in the New Testament, it talks about holiness. And many times you don't hear about these this in churches, but it's so important. And like Pastor Bobby said, it's, it's, it's not religious or ritualistic or anything. It's relational. Now God has written his law in our hearts, and he wants to lead us. But the scripture calls us to holiness, even in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says it like this. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. A what? Holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm reminded of the priests as they would enter into the holy place. And there would be the, the lampstand that was there illuminating the room. We have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are a holy nation. We are set apart. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16 says, don't slip back. Man, I don't know who this word is for today, but we receive it. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7 through 8 says, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who what? Gives us his holy spirit. I'm around my grandmother, y'all. She had this fine china wrapped, like she had it on the shelf behind a, a glass, you know, cabinet area. Come on, does anybody ever have, like, fine china, right, or something? And you, what do you do? You don't just use that all the time for no reason. You pull it out for special occasions for a specific purpose. You don't treat that fine china like a paper plate, get done with it, and throw it in the trash. No, you don't do it like that. So why are there many Christians, why are there many believers that don't realize the value that they have in Christ, and they are giving themselves away to everything and anything and everybody and allowing everything in when the Bible says that you are God's workmanship created for good works. You are called to walk in holiness. What does this have to do with prayer? James chapter 1 verse 16 says like this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person. This works hand in hand in tandem with holiness, has great power and produces what? Wonderful results. Isn't that what we're talking about in this series? How we can see results in prayer in our prayer life? What am I trying to say? I just want to encourage somebody today. Know your value in Christ. Know who you are. Know your priesthood. Know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's time to live a life where we separate and we live a life of consecration and holiness. I'm not saying you have to be weird or anything like that. or what. I'm saying be led by the Spirit of God. And we're going to talk more about how we can do this in a minute and how it ties with the furniture. Uh, but, but it's important we understand this. Why? Because I want you to get this. You may want to write this down. That we can't reach our potential when it comes to the, the powerful, effective prayer lives that God has called us to live until we get serious about living in holiness. We will not have the powerful, effective prayer lives God has called us to live until we get serious about living a life of holiness. We'll get this just for a second. It's not about just what happens in the prayer closet. It's about what happens outside of it. 
it's not just about what happens here on a Sunday morning, because many times we put on our best face, right? We put on the best stuff. It's about what happens outside as well, right? Now, real quick, I, I just want to, before you call me legalistic or religious or anything, I am not saying that your performance dictates how much God loves you. I'm not saying that at all. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing that you can do to make God, make God love you less. God loves you just the, the way you are. But let me tell you, you've heard it said before probably, he loves you way too much to keep you the way that you are. That it's only by the blood of Jesus, right, and the free gift of salvation that we receive the righteousness, we receive the holiness. But now, by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we are called to walk in that holiness, to walk in that righteousness, that when we experience Christ, it should change the way that we walk. It should change the way that we talk. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, get this, true holiness is not about, true holiness is not achieved by what you can do alone. The Bible even says that our righteousness is like filthy rags unto God, right? See, true holiness is not achieved by what we can do alone. It's achieved by what we allow God to do in us and through us. We're all going to make mistakes. <laughs> oh, come on. If, if you're looking for the, the perfect church, let me tell you, I've heard it said before, right? Like this, this ain't... We, we, we some messed up people, right? We, we need Jesus. I need Jesus as much as you need Jesus. We, we've all fallen short. And if you're looking, let me tell you, if you think you found the perfect church, don't join it because you're just going to mess it up. Let me tell you that right now, okay? We, we've all, holiness doesn't mean that we're perfect. That, that just means that even when we fall, when we fall short, guess what? We get right back up. We keep on following after Jesus because he's the only one who can make us holy. He is our great high priest. It is time, y'all, to live a life of consecration, a holiness. And God, God will lead us. We're going to talk about this and how we can do this more right here. But we are called to be set apart. Somebody say, I'm called to be set apart. I want to break this down even more by giving you these three pieces of furniture and the responsibilities that the priest had along with them in order to host the presence of God. This is making sense to somebody today. I pray so. You can write this down and follow along. We're going to go over these quickly. The first one is this, the lampstand. And we actually have a picture of kind of what the priest would do. First of all, isn't that a huge lampstand? Like, I don't know about you, like at first I was thinking a little small one. The scripture says it was, it was comprised of over 75 pounds of pure gold. And get this, this was the only source of light found within the tabernacle because there was no, there were no windows within the tabernacle or anything like this. And, and I believe ultimately a lot of this, if not all of it, points to Jesus who the scripture calls the light of the world. Amen. It's so amazing how everything points to Jesus in scripture. But this lampstand had seven branches coming out of it made of pure gold that were fueled with this olive oil. It was, it was fueled right here. They had to keep it full of the olive oil to, to keep the fire burning continuously. And it would be the priest's responsibility to, to fill them up day and night. And they would even trim the wicks and, and keep the, the end of the candles clean in order for the, the fire or, or in order for the light to burn the brightest. Because if they didn't, if they just let it be, right? If they just set it and forget it, the end of the candle would get really dirty and wouldn't they be able to, to bright as much as it should have? Like, I don't, know about, I don't know about you men, but my wife loves candles, okay? 
I felt like we get a new candle every, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like every time, like whenever we go in the mall, I, I, like, I try to blind our eyes from seeing, you know, Bath and Body Works or something because the, I, they have the most crazy deals all the time. You know, it's like buy one candle, get four free or something. I'm like, oh, my goodness, like how are you making money off of this right now? And every time I'm like, hey, babe, don't look that way, okay? We got enough candles, okay, you know? But she tells me, okay, we got to change up the candles. Why? Uh, you know, we're having people over, but this candle's dirty. This candle's burning out, right, you know? And, and it's kind of like how the priest would maintain it. Would, they would trim the wicks, and you can see the scissors right here on this picture. You can see the oil. You can see, and, and when you begin to study Scripture, you'll discover this, that oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And did you know this? That the scripture actually calls the spirit of man, our spirit, the lamp or candlestick of the Lord. I, I want to read this to you all real quick in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. It, it says, the spirit of, of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of, of our hearts, of his heart. In other words, the sp our spirit is the wick, but it's the spirit of God, y'all, that's the oil that produces the flame. I'm reminded of the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, right? When the Spirit of God was poured out, what happened? The Scripture says that tongues of fire sat upon every one of them. That the church of Jesus Christ was born in the fire. And I heard an old preacher say it like this. He said, you were, the church was born in the fire. Why would you want to live in the smoke, Right? Right? I, I, in other words, you may not realize it, but when you've accepted Christ, when you've given your life to him, the Holy Spirit makes a home in your heart, and you have a fire that is kindling on the inside of you. You have a fire burning on the inside of you, the fire of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Just like the priest had the responsibility to keep the fire burning and keep the fire going and keeping it clean and not allowing that dirt to stay. Stay there. Oh, come on, somebody. We need to be careful what we allow in our spirit, what we allow in our heart. And we need to, to keep the fire burning. See, that's part of why we go to church, because we're keeping the fire burning. That's part of why we pray, because we're keeping the fire burning. And guess what? Whenever the enemy tries to throw dirt in our life or somebody may throw some dirt at you, we don't allow it to sit. I'm reminded of Jesus, whenever he told the disciples, he said, he said whenever he sent them out by two, he said, I want you to go, go from home to home. And if someone rejects you, in other words, is mean to you, doesn't accept you, wipe the dust off and keep on walking. Go to the next one. Don't allow bitterness like Pastor Bobby said, and unforgiveness and, and things of this world and, and dirt and even sin. Unrepentant sin. Habitual sin. Dirtiness. And I don't need to go into all that. The Holy Spirit right now, the, we need to value, y'all, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need to humble ourselves before God. We need to say, God, fill me with your spirit, God. Keep the fire burning. Overflow in my life. I want to keep it burning because it affects your prayer life. It affects your walk with God. God wants to empower you. He wants to empower you. And, and the reason I wanted to talk about this and mention this is because I think you need an encouragement because you heard me say, live a life of holiness. Live a life of integrity and character. You know, follow after God. You're like, man, you, you don't know me, though. You don't know what I've done. You don't, it's too late for me, this or that. Let me remind you that you have the Spirit of God 
living on the inside of you, that God has equipped you with everything that you need to live the life and be the light in your area. In fact, I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, because it, it begin, he begins to talk about the seven attributes of the Spirit of God. And I don't think that there's a coincidence that this candlestick, the, the lampstand had seven branches on it as well. And you've heard this probably taught before. Pastor Bobby's broke this down. But this is also in the scripture talking of Jesus and, and the attributes that he would walk in. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord, that's the first one, rest on him. Speaking of Jesus, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, of might, knowledge, and the fear of, lo- of the Lord. We can't allow the Holy, because we can't actually grieve the Spirit of God. We can quench the Spirit of God. God has feelings. But guess what? God also wants to empower you. The same Spirit, the Scripture says, that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells inside of us as believers. Like, guess what? There's might. There's wisdom. There's understanding. God wants to lead us to walk in that way. Don't say, I can't do it, because guess what? By yourself, you can't. But Christ in you, oh, come on, somebody. I cannot do all things through who? Christ, Paul said, who gives me strength. I want to speak right now to a young person because school just got started. I understand, all right? Middle school, high school, I've been in your shoes. I understand. Or even men on the job, like, I, I understand. There's peer pressure, there's temptation, there's opposition. But you need to know that you have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you. That wherever you go, he goes. That you can walk into confidence. That you can walk knowing who you are and whose you are and who lives inside of you. Come on, come on, somebody. Can we thank God for his spirit operating in life? It's time to stay full. There's so many, there's, there's, there's so much that be said about this, but we got to move on to the next one. Let's stay full. The Apostle Paul said, don't be drunk off of wine. He said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Question, you know, I've heard it said before, right? I think it's interesting how he said wine. Because what happens when you get intoxicated? It changes the way that you walk. It changes the way that you talk. It changes the way that you act. But can I tell you something? In a similar way, underneath the right spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can change the way that you walk, the way that you talk, the way that you act. He will lead you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the next one, the table of shoebread. This is the second piece of furniture that we find in here also known as the table of showbread or the bread of presence. It consisted of 12 flat loaves of bread. And you can see it right here on the picture. That would be stacked on top of each other on a gold table. Each loaf representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel. This is what it represented. It represented God's provision, God's promises, and God's prosperity over the nation of Israel. I'm going to say that one more time. God's provision God's promises, the eternal covenant that he had, and the prosperity for the nation of Israel. And it was only, get this, the, high, the, 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 the priest who could go into the holy place on the Sabbath and consume and partake and replace this bread. It was a type of communion and fellowship that they had with God. Can you imagine making a meal for God, right? And it wasn't like God was like Santa Claus, you know what I mean? Like they walked in, they, it wasn't like leaving out cookies and stuff or whatever, you know. 
It, it was a memorial offering that they brought before God, a reminder of God's goodness and faithfulness. And the priests were able to consume and partake of the bread. It helped them understand, I'm in a relationship with God. Just like I would sit down and invite someone over to the home and share a meal with them, it was a type of communion for them as well. It, it, it's pointed to, hey, I'm in fellowship. I'm in relationship. And my God is able to supply all of my needs. If he did it before, he can do it again. And it also pointed to Jesus. It pointed to Jesus, who the scripture calls the bread of life. In John chapter 6, verse 35, it says, uh, 35, it says like this, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So what does this mean and how does this connect with our prayer life? I, I, I think the way that this table is shoe bread and Jesus bringing the bread of life, I, I think that what, should, what that should do to us as we approach God, it should build our confidence to know that we serve and that we pray to a God who has supplied and will supply all of the needs. Oh, come on, let me tell you something. God is not broke. God's not worried about the electricity bill in heaven because sometimes, you know, we, 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 we think, oh, you know, I can't, you know, uh, like God doesn't care about this or God doesn't care about that or this. or that. Let me tell you something. The Bible even says, Jesus said that God knows what you need before you even ask. And he said whenever we ask for a loaf, he's not going to give you a, a scorpion. He's not going to give you. He, he, when you come to him and you ask, you can confidently approach him. And see, this is part of how Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6. He told them to pray by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us what? This day, our daily bread. So what does this look like, y'all? Because it says that Jesus is the bread of life, right? He said, give us this day our daily bread. I believe experiencing and partaking the provision of God, it can look like salvation, first of all, which is the greatest need, deliverance, healing, peace of mind, financial provision, favor, and, and also fulfillment in Christ. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, y'all, because I'm the type of preacher I like to tell people, I believe that we have a universe-sized hole in our soul and the only person who can fill that void is Jesus Christ. I tell people that all the time. That was like my saying I told the youth. You have a universe-sized hole in your soul, you know. And, 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 and I encourage that, hey, you can find satisfaction and fulfillment in Christ. The problem is we go to all these other things in the world before we go to God many times. We have a need. We try to do things our way, which I understand. Work hard. You know, that, that's, that's great. You know, use wisdom. You know, be a good, all that stuff. But, but let me tell you something. I know when I haven't been praying the way that I need to, and I haven't spent time with God the way that I need to, because I feel anxiety begin to take over, negativity, fear. In fact, my wife will tell me at times, hey, have you prayed today, honey? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. But whenever I enter into the presence of God, and I taste, and I sit there and wait sometimes, I just wait and worship, and I begin to taste and see of God's goodness. God gives me a peace. He gives me a strength. He, he gives me a fulfillment where I walk out full. I walk out content. I walk out filled. See, because things in this world can fill us, but only Jesus can fulfill us, right? 
we can run to him. He is the bread of life. He said, come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden. He would give you rest. He said, come to me. You want thirst. You want hunger. I have food to eat of that you know not of. He can give you a word. God can do it. Don't lose faith in your God. God can do it. He can supply. He can change the heart. He can save souls. Our God is still working today. Amen? Amen. Psalm chapter 37, verse 25 says like this, and it's also a reminder to me that God will never leave us, forsake us, take care of us. 37, 25 says, once I was young and now I am old. This is David talking. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Notice how the priests were not outside the tent begging. Please, God, let me have some of that bread. You know, no, no, no. They knew that they could walk in there and partake of the bread. Whenever every week they could do that on the side, you can step in. You can approach God. You can come before him. And this is the, I want to go to the next one, the third and last piece of furniture we find in the holy place worship team. You can go ahead and come up. This making sense to somebody. To, I hope this is an encouragement for somebody today. Thank you, Jesus. The last one is just the altar of incense. Somebody say the altar of incense. The altar of incense was placed before the veil, and it was here that the priest would burn. Get this, four different types of spices every morning. That, this, this, that these different types of spices, they would be used to be burnt as an incense unto God. And, and what this was right here, whenever that incense would be burning and the smoke would go up, it was a picture and representation of the prayers of the people of Israel rising and going before God. That's why David wrote in Psalm chapter 141, verse 2, he said, Let my prayer be set before you as an incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Lord Jesus, touch her right now, God. We just thank you, Lord, right now for peace, God, right now in Jesus' name. Psalm 141, verse 2 says, like, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice sacrifice. You want to know what pleases God? Prayer. The aroma of prayer pleases God. It's when the people of God, guess what, humbly come before him in prayer. See, and just like the priest would burn the incense daily, we are called, y'all, and you already know, right, you can see the correlation, we are called to pray to God continuously. We are called to pray before God daily. You may be saying, I don't have time. We all have time. We all, you will make time for what you value. You'll make time for that TV show. You'll make time for Netflix. I've even heard said before from Smith Wigglesworth, he said, I don't pray for more than five minutes, but I don't go more than five minutes without praying. You know what I mean? So it, 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 we all have time to, to make and, and pray and, and communicate to God. Like, can you imagine inviting a guest over to your home, right? Can you imagine inviting a guest over to your home and, and, and hosting them and having them over or somebody staying with you, but you never conversate with them at all? It's like, yeah, they live here. I don't really talk to them, though. You know, it's like, hey, how are they doing? I don't really know. You know, don't they live with you? Yeah. How do you think God, oh, come on, think about this for a second. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Almighty God lives on the, on the inside of us, and he wants to commune. 
He wants the fellowship because God can talk back too, let me tell you. He can lead you. And yet, we, sometimes we don't make time for him the way that we should. Prayer should be a first response and not a last resort. And God was very particular even about the use of this incense also. Exodus chapter 30, verse 37 through 38 says, and the incense, get this real quick. I want you to grab a hold of this. Please follow along with me right here. Because this is powerful for getting results in prayer too. Exodus chapter 30, verse 37 through 38 says, and the incense that you shall make according to its composition, you shall not make it for yourselves. It shall be for you holy to the Lord, whoever makes any like it to use as a perfume shall be cut off from his people. In other words, get this, and worship to me, I'll go ahead and come up. In other words, get this, this incense wasn't supposed to be used for personal reasons. This incense wasn't supposed to be used for personal reasons. Selfish reasons. Like, can you imagine being an Israelite woman spraying that same incense on you, walking around? I was like, man, where'd you get that perfume at, girl? It's like, oh, we got it from the tabernacle. You know, it's like, no. I don't know. I don't know if they wore perfume and stuff back then, but I guess they did because he said, if you wear that perfume, no, it, it wasn't supposed. In other words, this was holy. This incense that represented prayer that was supposed to be used within the tabernacle under God. And I think the way that speaks to us today is this that our prayer life. And our devotion life shouldn't be ego, prideful, or, or, or self-serving within itself. Where we just come to God and say, God, what can you do for me? Oh, God, I've been good this week. You deserve, you don't deserve nothing if it wasn't for what Jesus, he didn't come to give you what you deserve. He came to give you what he, we can't act entitled. We need to learn how to humble ourselves before God. And even at times say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. God, I come to you. I don't want to come to you with contaminated prayers. I don't want to come to you in prayer out of selfish ambition or ego, thinking about just me, myself, and I. Why? Because you know what's happening when we do that unto God? We're producing it at the altar of incense in our spirit a strange fire. A strange fire. You know that you study Aaron and his sons? The scripture says that Aaron, who was the first high priest, great, the first high priest, that his sons one day, as they were burning at the altar of incense, they did something wrong. Maybe they mixed the wrong, they used the wrong incense, or maybe they used it outside, or, or they took fire, they, they made it there rather than taking it from the brazen altar. They did something wrong and a strange fire came out of it and the scripture says that a fire consumed them. You may be saying to yourself, that's a little extreme. I, I, I think God used it as an example and I'm not saying don't come, like you pray a bad prayer or something like that, that God's gonna, I'm not saying that. But you, it's possible that the reason we're not seeing the results and the effects of our prayer and devotion life unto God is because we're coming to God with contaminated prayers. James chapter 4 verse 3 says it like this, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You'll have that scripture in James chapter 4 verse 3, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Question, when we pray to God, are we praying with the right motives, with the right 
ambition that's consistent with the will and word of God. Because guess what? The, the reason some people don't see results in their prayer life is because their motives are wrong. The wrong ambition, the wrong motivation, all around me, myself and I, we treat God like a genie in the bottle. When we're not called to fall in love with the blessings, we're called to fall in love with the blesser, right? We're called to fall, and we know that his ways are higher than our ways, that, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We don't just pray prayers like, God bless me so I can have nice things, <laughs> so I can show off to all my friends. No, 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 no. What about we change it a little bit? God, if you bless me, I'm going to be a blessing to other people. God, if you, when you bless, I'm going to help build the kingdom of God. God, give me favor on the job site. Why? Because I want everybody to know how good I am. No, 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 no. Say, God, I pray that I would walk in a favor. I ask, Lord, so that way you could be glorified. And people ask me, what happened? How'd you get there? This, I can point right back to heaven and say, it's because of him. Young people, single people, single people, get this, okay? Because this, some of you are praying, God, Give me a spouse, give me a boyfriend, give me a girlfriend. But all we're thinking about is the pleasure of it all. We're not thinking about God's purpose. Huh. See, that's, that's why I decided to keep myself throughout high school and, I, and, and just save myself for the right person. Because I said, God, I, I, I want, I know I'm consecrated. I'm set apart, God. I, just like every one of you, we're called to be set apart. God. I pray that you, God, would direct. I pray that you would, God, I pray right now, God, I don't want to come to you with contaminated prayers. You know, one of the questions I like to ask myself to just kind of test and gauge, you know, if my prayers are with the right motives. I've heard it said before, right, whenever, ask yourself this, if all your prayers were answered, if all your prayers were answered, would it just change your world or would it change the world that, that's around you? Think about that. If all your prayers were in, would it just change your world or the world that is around you? And here's what I love, too. I, I'm thankful that I go to church that talks about this. Even when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit of God on the inside of me knows what to pray. That there's groanings, there's an utterance. And when we don't know what to pray, you know, the book of Jude says it like this. He said, pray in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That when we don't know what to say, the Spirit of God, we begin to pray and release the word. And we know that it's in alignment with God's will. In your personal prayer life, let's make time. Let's make time for God. And don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. I'm reminded of the story. Come on, this makes sense to somebody. I pray this bless somebody today. We're coming to a close. Come on, y'all can stand to your feet today. It's all about Jesus. I'm reminded of this story, y'all. True story. There was this evangelist, this, this old school Pentecostal evangelist by the name of Verbal Bean. That's what, that's what his name was, Verbal Bean. And, and Pastor Bobby shared this first service, and he said I can share it this service, but Verbal Bean, he, he was this, this old school Pentecostal evangelist, and he would go around to different churches and different regions and they would host conferences and revivals, and, and part of what he would do, he would come into churches that were hurting, churches that were broken, churches that were just dying, you could say, in a way. And, and, and he would step in there, and God would use him to speak life 
to, to see just amazing things take place. And one day he goes to this town, and, and back then he would stay many times at the, at the house of the pastor that was there. And he, he went to this pastor's home, and when he, went, when he went, got into the house, he noticed that there was no furniture anywhere at the pastor's home. All he had was a bed. All he had was a, was a bed, a mattress, and, and the pastor said, hey, you can sleep right here. I, I, it's all good. You, this is where you're going to stay. And, and then and, and Verbal being asked him, he said, hey, what, what's up with all your furniture? What happened? He said, well, to be honest, I, I sold it and gave it all to the ministry to keep things afloat because things have been so hard. And, and during the first week or so of the revival that was taking place at the church, the pastor, the, the evangelist got word about this furniture store. That, that had this giveaway going on where, where, where if you would come into the furniture store, they're trying to draw people in, and there would be this curtain that was there, and it was closed off and everything. And, and they said, if you can guess what's behind the curtain, we'll furnish your entire home. We'll furnish your entire home. And Verbal Being heard that, and, and he began to pray, and he began to seek the face of God. And he woke up one morning, and one of his prayer partners that traveled with him, he, he told him, he said, hey, we're going to that store. God told me what's behind that curtain. And they go to that store, and when they go to the store, y'all, he asks for the manager, and the manager comes forward and says, hey, um, you know, I heard you want to guess what's behind this curtain. Go, go on ahead. He brings one of his associates next to him, and he said, what's behind that curtain is an 8 and 11 black and white photo of Bonnie and Clyde. And whenever he said that, the, the manager's face went white, his jaw dropped, and he said, where would you like the furniture delivered, you know? And he was able to have that pastor's home furnished completely. I, I say that to say this because I don't want this to complicate. I know we talked about a lot. We had a lot of scripture. We had a lot of things that were there. I said, you're a royal priesthood. We talked about the 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 lampstand, the, the the shoe bread, the the altar of incense. But let me tell you, as a priest, there comes a time, y'all, when we got to go past the curtain, we got to go past past the veil, and we just seek the face of God. Just seek the face of God. Let the fire burn. And guess what? As you begin to seek his face, as you begin to press in and you come to him humbly, guess what? God will provide, God will su supply, God will furnish your, whatever it may be that is there. Come on, is there any people believe that we serve a God that still answers prayer today? We serve a wonder-working, miracle-working God. I want to pray over you right now before we go. Just an encouragement today. God knows, God sees he's able. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, right now for the opportunity that we have had this morning, God. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, just like you, Jesus, flipped over the tables in the temple and chased out the money changers, I thank you, Lord, right now, the things that are in our heart, things that are in our life that shouldn't be there, God, that you're removing, God, that you're cleansing our temple today, our soul. Come on, maybe right now, just place your hand on your head and say, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for renewing my mind. We thank you, Lord Jesus, right now that you are moving, that you are cleansing. Come on, right now in this moment, if you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, come on, make this prayer and make this commitment. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. God, I repent. Come on, make it personal. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in who you are. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose, Lord. I believe, Lord. I receive, Lord. Forgive me. 
Thank you, Jesus. Come on, right now, begin to release words. Just begin to release praise. Just begin to pray out to him. Say, Lord Jesus, maybe right now you need to repent. Say, Lord, forgive me for trying to do things my way. Forgive me, Lord, for for being prideful or selfish, God, self-serving, God. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life, God. Have your way in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we raise our hands and worship him today before we leave? Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. It's time to press past the bell. It's time to worship. It's time to commune. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we sing it out? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.